It is Thursday, October 15th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 6 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff, and with me, as always, is the overall number one in the Fantasy Pros Weekly Accuracy Contest. That's Jared Smola, still rolling. Don't jinx it, man. We don't talk, we don't talk about it. Yeah, we do. It's not pitching a no-hitter. We're going to let everybody know until it changes, and then we won't let anybody know. But we're going to jump into this week and give you some more accurate picks for the week. There's no Thursday game, which I personally like. The buys are Chargers, Raiders, Seahawks, Saints, and the first game on our slate is Chicago Bears at Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are one-point favorites. It's down two and a half from where it opened, for, which is a, a bit surprising to me. Over under 45, not a great fantasy spot. The Panthers' D-line, though, is going to miss D-tackle D- uh, Kwan Short for the rest of the year for shoulder surgery. D.N. Brandon Burns is dealing with a concussion. D.N. Yater Gross Matos is dealing with an ankle injury. So it really should be a pretty good spot. For David Montgomery this week. Yeah, I mean, it was already a good matchup before those injuries. Carolina 29th against the run, according to Football Outsiders. Um, they're dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And as we talked about last week and continued in week five, David Montgomery is getting like workhorse usage now that Tariq Cohen is out. Uh, 83% of the Bears snaps over the last two weeks, 20 of 26 running back carries and a 17% target share. So he he's like a borderline RB1 in season long this week and a guy I think you should be considering in DFS too. Definitely. Todd Gurley had a surprising number of rushing lanes last week and was able to maximize. So if he can do it, David Montgomery can do it, I believe. We'll see. <laughs> Allen Robinson's in a good spot as well. You're starting him anyway. Jimmy Graham, usable at his usual level. I think that's about it on the Chicago side. Yeah, I agree. Um, Carolina's actually been pretty good against tight ends. I mean, Graham's usage has been nice. He's eighth in pass routes, ninth in targets. Um, he's also second league wide with eight red zone targets. So, you know, he is, despite playing on the Bears, a, a pretty good um, touchdown bat, which is, you know, basically what we're looking at at tight end beyond the top, like four or five guys. Yeah. If the position weren't as bad as it is right now, then we could say, yeah, don't worry about Jimmy Graham. But as it is, he's like a top 10 weekly tight end. Yep. <laughs> On the Panthers side, Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson are musts. DJ Moore, I would say, is a wide receiver three at this point. I would try to fade Teddy Bridgewater in this matchup if I can, though. The Bears have allowed Four total touchdown passes on the season, just 20 points per game to opponents. Uh, Matthew Stafford's the only quarterback to crack 17 fantasy points against them so far, and it took him 297 passing yards plus 23 rushing. Yeah, I mean, Bridgewater's playing well. He's he's someone I definitely try to keep on your roster because he's going to be someone that we're going to be wanting to use um, throughout the season. But this is week I would definitely hop off you know, the Bridgewater train in this matchup. We talked about it with Brady last week, and he, he disappointed. The Bears have just been tough against the pass for, you know, the past few seasons now. Detroit Lions at Jacksonville Jaguars. The Lions are three-point favorites here. It's a 54-point over-under. I mean, this it's not that long ago this would be a game where you're like, ah, I'm not going to bother watching this one. But there could be some fantasy stuff in this one. I think Matthew Stafford brings a high ceiling and a high floor into this week. Not big numbers so far over his past three outings, but solid. QB 14, QB 15 his past two games on lighter volume than we'd usually expect from him. And he's got a, a strong touchdown rate so far, 5.8% through four games. Yeah, these teams rank 30th and 32nd in Football Outsiders defensive DVOA. So you know, there, there should be lots of points here. It's a game I think you want piece of. I think it's a good game to consider for DFS tournaments. Um, I, I think this is like a breakout spot for Stafford. The, the Jags have just been like the get-right defense. We saw Joe Mixon 
have his breakout game against them two weeks ago. Deshaun Watson and the Texans had their breakout game last week. So I think it's Stafford's turn here. Um, the Jaguars dead last in both football outsiders past the DVOA and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of whether they give him enough pass attempts to really hit his ceiling in this game. But we saw last week, even with low passing yardage, Stafford threw three touchdown passes. Not last week, two weeks ago against the Saints before their bye. So yeah. a good spot with a good floor, even if he doesn't hit that ceiling. Kenny Galladay is an obvious start. I think Marvin Jones gets one more shot this week. Low wide receiver three range, but you know within starter range for most leagues. He's only seen 13.9% target share for the Lions through four games. And that includes a pair of games that Galladay missed. Yeah, only five total targets and an 8% share in uh, Kenny Galladay's two games. That, that, that's going to come up. Marvin Jones's playing time, his routes run, all that stuff is fine. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's still gas left in his tank. I agree, though. If he doesn't do it here, he's going to be tough to count on the rest of the season. Um, you know, we, we just saw Brandon Cooks kind of have his breakout spot. I think Marvin Jones is kind of in the same boat. You know, he's been on the field, hasn't been producing. Um, but the upside's definitely there this week. So if you're if you're looking for a wide receiver three, I think Jones, you know, has about as high of a ceiling as anyone in that territory. TJ Hawkinson, just four targets, two catches last time out against the Saints, but he's the team target leader for the season. Of course, again, Galladay missed a couple games. Four plus catches, over 50 yards in each of his first three games before that, you know, a bit of a down game against the Saints. And even in that one, he scored a touchdown. So with how tight end right now, I think how, with how tight end is right now, I think TJ Hawkinson's a pretty easy start. Yeah, still 11 targets and an 18% target share for Hawkinson in those two games with Galladay. So if he can, you know, stay there, that that's plenty for a tight end. And again, we just want pieces of this uh, Lions passing game. The Jags bad against tight ends as well. Football Outsiders has them 31st in tight end coverage. And Jared's not going to want to hear this, but it's a good spot for Adrian Peterson, who has seen 60.6% of the Lions running back carries through four games so far. He saw 22 carries in their win over the Cardinals. He's averaging four and a half yards per rush on the year. The offensive coordinator said a few weeks ago that they're going to run Adrian Peterson until he hits the wall. I doubt that that came during the bye, so I would expect plenty of rushing volume for Adrian Peterson in this game that finds Detroit the favorite, and the Jags are providing the second largest scoring boost to fantasy running back so far, according to our strength of schedule pitch. All right, AP will be just fine if, if the Lions play with the lead like Vegas expects here. There's still game flow concerns. You know, Peterson has just six total targets on the season. Half of those came in week one. So if they do fall behind, we saw the Lions go back to DeAndre Swift as their pass catching back in the game before the bye. Speaking of Swift, I'm curious just to see if, you know, his role grows at all coming out of the bye week. You're obviously not using him this week, but he's still a guy I think should be stashed on fantasy benches in, in, in most leagues. Yeah, I would like to stash him as well, but we have, we've seen no indication this week that the Lions are planning to do more. Certainly there's a chance that they plan to do more and aren't saying it because they wouldn't really have a reason to tell us all, but uh, no indication so far that that's the plan. On the Jaguars' side, DJ Chark has the ankle injury. LaVisca Chenault has a hamstring injury. Neither of those guys practice Wednesday. Both of them are going to bear watching this week, not just for their own sake, but I think they uh, will have a significant impact on what we think about Gardner Minshew heading into this weekend. All right. I mean, the one game Minshew doubted this season was that Dolphins game. That's the game Chark missed. I mean, it, maybe it's just a coincidence, but it makes sense that if you're missing your number one wideout, you're going to struggle. So, you know, we, we've been kind of nudging Minshew down the rankings. I, I'm not expecting Chark to play. Um, Chenault never exited last week's game, so I'm sort of betting on him playing still. You know, if, if Minshew at least has Chenault, um, you know, he's in play as a lower end quarterback one. But without without Chark, I think the upside isn't quite there. 
Yeah, I think there's a pretty big drop between DJ Chark and the rest of that receiving core. So, I mean, like you said, it's one game, so we can't really say it's a correlation, but I wouldn't be shocked if it is because it gets to be a much worse passing game if he's not in there. I would say it's it's nice to not have the Thursday night game so that we don't have to decide between Minshew and anybody who's playing tonight. Um, I would say, though, if for waiver purposes you need to go ahead and decide – and you're leaning, you're trying to decide between Minshew and others close in the rankings. You know, it could be Matthew Stafford, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, guys like that. I would probably lean away from Gardner Minshew right now on the assumption that DJ Shark's not playing. Yeah, I prefer those guys you mentioned. I prefer Ryan Tannehill. I prefer Kirk Cousins over Minshew as of now, assuming uh, Shark's up. James Robinson's an easy start at this point. He didn't give us much against the Texans, but he still caught five balls in that game. Lions are a positive running back scoring matchup, and it looks like a run funnel defense. Yeah, Football Outsiders has them 31st against the run, giving up 5.6 yards per carry. It is interesting with Robinson. His his like target volume is you know, superseding what you'd expect it to be based on his routes run. You know, he only ran a route on 38% of the drop backs. He he's still losing um, some of the come behind come from behind stuff to Chris Thompson. So that adds a bit of a risk if the Jags fall behind here. But I mean, in season long, you're definitely starting Robinson. The upside is is there against this this uh, Lions run defense. And I'm not interested in anybody else on the Jaguars side, but yeah, nope. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers by three and a half in this one, 51 point over under. Football Outsiders has the Steelers seventh in overall defensive DVOA, number one against the run, but just number 17 against the pass. They allowed 29 points to the Eagles last week. And I mean, back in week one, it didn't seem like much, but looking back now, it was Daniel Jones's best game of the year so far against these Steelers. 21 plus points allowed since then in three straight home games. Maybe the Steelers aren't a scary matchup. The secondary is not going to be. I, I watch basically every Steelers game because I, I watch with Lenny every week and he's a Steelers fan. The secondary is not good. The pass rush is awesome. If, if that's the key. If the pass rush gets home, it's trouble, obviously. But if the quarterback has time, it, it's a secondary that can be beat. Um, every All four quarterbacks that face Pittsburgh so far have finished the week between 15th and 18th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. So no big games, no duds either. Um, Baker hasn't finished a week higher than, than 15th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. That was actually last week. We did see the Browns lean a bit more towards the pass last week with Nick Chubb out. Um, I would expect that to continue in this spot. I mean, they're underdogs. And like you said, Matt, um, Pittsburgh's much tougher against the run in the past. So Mayfield's uh, volume should be up. I still don't think he you know reaches quarterback one status in our rankings but um you know he's he's okay if you're in a deeper league and need a spot starter right i could certainly see him finishing in that 15 to 18 range but i don't think he has the ceiling to really be worth chasing coming off four straight games of two touchdown passes but baker mayfield also has yet to reach 200 yards passing in a game against the steelers after having faced them three times so far browns prefer to limit his volume even if they do lean more toward the pass which would make sense in this one um but you know i think this game also has a chance to be lower scoring than anticipated steelers are just 13th in offensive dvoa that's up from 18th heading into last week's game so whenever i've watched the steelers and i haven't watched them as much as you have they haven't quite looked like the offense is humming yet I mean there's obvious talent and they're scoring plenty of points but it's not quite I don't don't know it it doesn't look as impressive as you might expect it to look overall basically everything in the passing game has been short we'll we'll talk about um, some of these wide receivers eight outs I mean that that might change with Claypool becoming a bigger factor I mean he's the team's best downfield throughout that might add another element to the passing game but it's just sort of been a like you said like a decent offense but not not very explosive I guess prior to what we saw from Claypool last week 
Sticking with the Cleveland side before we get to that, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt look like fairly easy starts this week. Jarvis Landry sits 41st in our PPR rankings at wide receiver, and I think he belongs down in that range still. Saw nine targets against Indy, still managed just four catches in that game. Did at least post a season-high 88 receiving yards, had a couple of catches of 30-plus yards in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was his best game of the season so far. I think um, it won't be surprising if he you know, gets healthier, gets more productive as the season wears on here. Not Obviously not an ideal spot against a pretty solid Steelers defense. I think low-end wide receiver three is where he belongs. Um, we, we should just mention Odell Beckham um, missed Thursday's practice with an illness, and he got tested for COVID. He hasn't tested positive yet for the team tested him um they're going to get the results back on friday morning so you know we'll we'll know if it's if it's not a you know if it's not covid he'll, he'll play through the illness yeah it's pretty rare that guys miss for regular illnesses uh, austin hooper's targets have climbed the past couple games it's a terrible matchup this week against pittsburgh though only the patriots and lions have allowed more or have allowed fewer receptions to tight ends yeah like you said hooper trending up um i think you know, he should be owned in most fantasy leagues at this point like you know could be a lower end tight end one the rest of the way but don't love him this week against against the steelers ben roethlisberger on the pittsburgh side we moved him up the rankings this morning he's right on the fringe of the top 12 i think roethlisberger versus kirk cousins is basically even i'd probably lean roethlisberger between those two for a better bet for passing volume and a chance that the vikings control the action against atlanta we'll get to that game soon but i think that there's a chance the vikings just don't throw the ball as much as pittsburgh does so i like the ceiling better on roethlisberger this week it's definitely close um i mean the the matchups are good for both of them i, I just think you know based on the eye test the matchup's a bit better for cousins the falcons d's just been so bad but you know, big ben's been like a nice floor option his weekly finishes have gone 10th 15th 20th and 13th so you know, he hasn't really killed you yet hasn't really helped you win a week yet um again you know chase claypool's emergence um definitely adds upside to this offense and the Browns are 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it's a nice spot for big man. I would not be worried at all if he's your, you know, quarterback one this week. I will admit that I just dropped him for Matthew Stafford in a 10 team league yeah. to play this week. I think those guys are in the same range, but I, I like Stafford's spot a little better. Yeah. I definitely prefer Stafford this week. And you mentioned Claypool. We'll get to those receivers now. Deontay Johnson didn't practice Wednesday because of the back injury that took him out of last week's game. And his status has really impacted how much Chase Claypool is on the field because Claypool has has seen his playing time jump each of the past two weeks, but Deontay Johnson left both of those games early. So we're going to have to watch Deontay Johnson's status this week to really see what to expect from Chase Claypool's playing time. Yeah, and I mean, to me, the real problem, at least as of now with Claypool, is he was still behind James Washington in pass routes last week. So if that's still the case and Deontay's back, then Claypool's the fourth wide receiver. I don't think you can trust him. Now, after what he did in that Eagles game, I mean, it would be – crazy for the Steelers not to increase his role. So I, I would guess that he at least becomes the third wide receiver when Deontay Johnson's healthy, he passes up James Washington. And if that's the case, you know, he becomes at least someone we can use as like an upside wide receiver three. And I, I even think it's within his range to like become the Steelers number one wide receiver the rest of the way. I think that's ultimately within the range of outcomes. I, I don't think the Steelers are the kind of team though, that are going to say, okay, this week, Chase Claypool is playing more than James Washington. Cause I, I don't, I think they like James Washington fine. Yeah. And he's been in that role. They do play four wide receivers a lot. Cause I saw lots of Ray Ray McLeod on the field <laughs> too, even after Deontay, Deontay Johnson left that game. So I think it might just be a matter of getting Claypool more opportunities when he is on the field. And I think, you know, in that scenario, it would still leave it as a volatile situation for him where he could still be playing less and the the opportunities could really could really sway a lot in game to game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's just the type of player that's going to be pretty volatile. He's, he's a big play guy. Um, I, I would lean towards using him this week. Uh, I think if Deontay Johnson's out, I would definitely use Chase Claypool. I think he becomes riskier if Deontay Johnson plays. But uh, the Browns 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They're still without Greedy Williams, who's on IR. So it's a good matchup. And, you know, if you just spend a whole lot of, of your fab on Claypool, I'd, I'd toss him in the lineup and see what you have in, in him. Yeah, I agree with that. Juju Smith-Schuster is going basically like Jarvis Landry right now. He had a couple of touchdowns at the beginning of the season to to start things off well, but just five targets and four catches each of the past two games. And again, both of those were games that Deontay Johnson left early. So if anything, we should have seen more targets going Juju's way in those games. We haven't. He's been under 50 yards in each of his past three. Yeah, he's just not being featured in this passing game like I think a lot of people thought he would this season. Um, he has a 17% target share, which is not great. He has a 5.2-yard average depth of targets, so almost everything, like you said, and Jarvis Landry-esque, everything's near the line of scrimmage. I, I think you just treat Juju as a, as a wide receiver three for now unless that usage changes. I agree. I wonder if the knee injury is affecting him. It, he, he, he Juju keeps starting the week not practicing, but then he returns Thursday, so it's yeah. not – you know, he's not in danger of missing the game. He did miss Wednesday practice again this week for the same thing. But his playing time has dipped a little bit. 86% in week one, 91%, then down to 73 and 76 the past two. You know, not enough to adjust his expected volume, but you have to wonder based on everything if it's impacting his performance. Yep, definitely could be. Again, though, until we see something change, I think you just consider him a wide receiver three. Eric Ebron's a solid option this week. The matchup's good, but it's not as good as it was against Philly last week, and he was just kind of okay there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of Ebron. He's going to frustrate you. But like you said, the targets have been there five, seven, and six the last three games. Uh, Brown's 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So, you know, Ebron, with the state of the tight end position, sits inside our top 10 for this week. Yeah, and I think his biggest problem is just that there are so many guys that can catch passes in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, another guy who would benefit if Deontay Johnson can't play this week. Right. I'm sticking with the Pittsburgh defense overall, even though they had a disappointing day against the Eagles in week five. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been a better fantasy D than a real-life D because like, we're looking for the sacks and turnovers, and they get those even if they give up points. Denver Broncos at New England Patriots. We finally get the game that everyone has been pining for. Patriots by 10 in this one, over under a 45. The Broncos at a 17.5-point implied total. It's the smallest of the week. It's 1.25 points behind what the Jets are implied for, so that should make them feel disrespected. I would like absolutely nothing on the Denver side. Melvin Gordon did get back to practice on Thursday with the Broncos following his DUI earlier this week, but we're going to have to watch the situation just to make sure that there's no discipline for him heading into this game. Right. Yeah. Uh, Vic Fangio said something about, that, you know, there's going to be consequences. I don't know what that means. I mean, it's possible he's active and like doesn't play the first quarter or the first half or something. We'll, we'll see what we hear. Um, you know, Philip Lindsay's obviously the guy who would step in as the lead back if Gordon you know, misses time or doesn't play in this game. So I, th- I think Lindsay should be owned in fantasy leagues if he, isn't in yours. You know, he, he did miss the past few games, so he might be available. Um, other than that, the only guy I think you might consider is Noah Fant. If he returns from his ankle injury, he was limited on uh, Wednesday. So we'll, we'll see about him. I would really like to not play Noah Fant against a defense that stopped Darren Waller and basically stopped everything for the Kansas city offense. The last time we saw it. Yep. Tough matchup, but tight ends crappy. Fant was off to a good start, both volume and production wise. He's a guy I, I still believe in long-term. So he's, he's an option if he ends up playing this week. New England also looks like it'll get back Stefan Gilmore, who came off the COVID yeah. list today is practicing with the team. 
Um, so expect him to play against Denver on the Patriots side. Cam Newton also came off the COVID list. So it looks like he'll be back for this game should be an easy starter. He only did not deliver fantasy wise against the Raiders because Rex Burkhead did all the scoring. Yeah. You're starting Cam. I mean, you know, we'll see if there's any ill effects from COVID. I mean, that's kind of an unknown, but I think you start Cam, you know, outside the top, like, you know, five or six quarterbacks. And he's obviously an upgrade for everyone in this offense, especially Julian Edelman, who really struggled uh, without Cam the past couple games. Julian Edelman, I, I think it's an upgrade for him, but I also think none of the wide receivers are attractive in this matchup because I think the, Pater- the Patriots should control it. I expect the passing volume to be down. And when they've been running more, Julian Edelman has been spending less time on the field. So maybe that won't affect his route rate on passing plays, but it will affect how much he, you know, has the opportunity to catch the ball. Yeah, definitely not a must-start. I think he, he he's a wide receiver three this week. Mm. I'll treat Damian Harris like the top fantasy back here, but I would not be surprised if Rex Burkhead vultured a touchdown or two. James White, you know, not that attractive again because it's a, a matchup that I expect them to control, but we never know how many times they might throw the ball to James White. Yeah, and Denver's actually been pretty good against the run. You know, they're, they're more beatable through the air. Uh, Football Outsider says Denver's seventh in run defense. They're eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Um, so, I mean, the gas is Harris is the lead back again. I mean, he had the 17 carries last time we saw the Pats looked pretty good, but you obviously never know in this backfield. Yeah. I mean, I think, I also think it is a beatable run defense, even if that's where they've been stronger and that's where New England has tended to want to lean. Plus, you know, I guess we said Cam upgrades everyone. I think Cam might downgrade the running backs, though, because he's going to be vulturing those goal line carries again. Houston at Tennessee. Titans are three-point favorites, a 53-point over-under, but it opened at 55, so down a couple points. Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, pretty obvious. David Johnson's a fairly easy start. His playing time came back up a bit last week to 78% in his second game since Duke Johnson returned. 16 and 17 carries for David Johnson in those two games. Hasn't caught more than two passes in a game, though, since week one. Yeah, I think the playing time coming back up is notable since, you know, it was the first game without Bill O'Brien. It seems like the new coaching staff sort of went back to DJs, you know, more like, the you know, 75% of the backfield work. So that that's encouraging. You know, he, like you said, the passing game usage hasn't been great. 11% target share for David Johnson. But, you know, he's, he's a fine RB2 in fantasy lineups. Yeah. Brandon Cooks back into the wide receiver three range after a big week five. Still can't trust him completely, but it's going to be hard to sit him after what he did last week. I mean, like we talked about, the, the playing time, the routes, that stuff is always there. Um, still think he's a good player, which I think he proved last week. So it's, it's going to be volatile, and I still think Will Fuller is the clear number one here. They're playing Randall Cobb. They're playing Kenny Still. So, you know, Cooks is, is your classic, like, boom-bust wide receiver three. Jordan Aikens still limited Wednesday with ankle and concussion. We'll see about his availability, but I would not call him a strong option, even if he's active here. Yeah, not a strong option. I mean, the, the matchup's good. Um, you know, the game environment in general is good. Uh, Tennessee's 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, I mean, I think if Aikens is out, you know, Fells becomes more interesting. Um, if Aikens plays, you know, we're, we might see some type of split between them. Yeah, I'd be more interested in a healthy Aikens than I would be in Fells without Aikens on the field. That's fair. On the Tennessee side, there's nothing sneaky. Ryan Tannehill's a starter after that big game against the Bills. Five total touchdowns in two games against Houston last year. 11 total touchdowns in his four games so far this year. He had two-plus passing touchdowns in three of his four games so far. The other, he had 321 yards passing at Minnesota. And the Titans scored 31 points in that game, so it's not like he was actually limited. He just didn't happen to get any touchdowns. Yep, like Tannehill's a top 10 quarterback this week. I mean, A.J. Brown being back, obviously excellent news for Tannehill. Brown played his usual role in his return against the Bills last week. So he, he should be locked into lineups. And then, um, you know, Johnny Smith at this point is a, is a must-start, like borderline top five tight end. 
definitely. I'm not even sure it's borderline. Corey Davis, I, I believe, is still on the COVID list, right? Yeah, Adam Humphreys was uh, removed from the COVID list. Corey Davis is still on it as of Thursday here. Yeah, you should treat Adam Humphreys like he's still on the COVID list, though. <laughs> Washington at New at the New York Giants. Giants are two and a half point favorites. It's down one from where it opened. Over under a 42 and a half. Kyle Allen practiced Wednesday, uh, despite that left shoulder injury. So looks like he's trending toward playing. So you guys don't have to worry. He'll be available for your lineups. Yeah, this game, I think this game is going to be brutal. I mean, it's 43 and a half over under. I'd bet the under. So, you know, th- these offenses rank 31st and 32nd in football outsiders DVOA. And, I, and the defenses are, are better than I think people expected. Maybe people realize Washington's fourth in football outsiders defensive DVOA. The Giants are 16th. So I just think both D's are better than both offenses. You don't want too much of this game. I agree. I would like to have none of this game if I can. Antonio Gibson's got a toe injury we'll have to watch. I don't even know what his Wednesday practice participation was. I tried searching for it, and I didn't see it. I think I saw he was limited. I, I would expect him to play in this game. You know, He didn't exit last week's game. Um, has five targets in two straight now. Nice to see Washington getting him involved in the passing game. Remains the lead ball carrier. Again, the Giants' defense better than I think people – realize so it's not a great matchup but i mean gibson's getting enough volume where he's at least an rb3 or flex option and football outsiders also ranks the giants 20th in running back coverage so it could be a positive matchup for him the giants also lost lorenzo carter an outside linebacker last week so you know perhaps it, it helps the running back and also the uh the pass protection jd mckissick has eight targets in two straight games seven and six catches in those i hope that you're not in a situation where you need to start jd mckissick but those are numbers to be aware of if you are I mean, that's what sucks. Like if Antonio Gibson could be getting even half of those, it'd be nice. McKissick can, continues to run more pass routes than Antonio Gibson. So, you know, Washington's scheming up stuff for Gibson in the passing game, but it's still McKissick in there in like the two-minute drill and, and, and in comeback mode. Terry McLaurin's got a challenging matchup here. He's playing against James Bradbury, likely to see shadow coverage there. Bradbury's allowed just 53.6% completion rate on targets in his coverage this year, according to PFF. Has not a lot of touchdowns since week one. Uh, allowed two in that one to Juju uh, Smith-Schuster and James Washington, but since then has not allowed any more touchdowns despite facing Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, and multiple Cowboys receivers um, in, in games since that week one. Seven-plus targets for Terry McLaurin in every game. He's too good to like take him out of starter consideration, but you know, be aware that it's a challenging spot for him. I'm a little upset that we, I think, overlooked the Bradbury matchup for Amari Cooper last week. And, and not that we would have recommended benching Cooper, but like, and I was considering him in, in DFS. And um, you know, knowing Bradbury's play this season, I think you know Cooper obviously was a guy we shouldn't have been playing in DFS. But yeah, I mean, Bradbury helped hold Cooper to just two catches for 23 yards. Allen Robinson, three catches for 33 yards. Robert Woods had six for 36. So I think McLaurin, yeah, you know, downgrade him to wide receiver three status in this matchup. And we'll certainly keep James Bradbury in mind as a matchup going forward this season. Yep. On the Giants side, Daniel Jones ranks 31st in fantasy points per game among quarterbacks. He has not thrown a touchdown pass since the opener, despite facing that bad Cowboys defense last week. He belongs absolutely nowhere near fantasy lineups right now. Yep. If you couldn't do it against Cowboys last week, there's no reason to consider him going forward at this point until he starts to show us something. Devontae Freeman's carries have increased each week, handled 73% of the running back rushing attempts against Dallas, just six catches through his three games, though. Targets have been a little bit more spread around the backfield. You know, Freeman's usage has continued to climb every game now. He was up to 54% of the snaps last week, still just 38% of the pass routes, only three of the nine running back targets, but he had 17 of the 23 running back carries. So he's like the clear lead ball carrier. He's going to do some stuff in the passing game. Obviously, the Giants' crappy offense limits the upside, but I think Freeman, uh, he, he's not going to kill you if he's in there as your running back three every week. 
Yeah, I can go with that. Darius Slayton's seen 21% of Giants targets on the season. He's now eight ahead of Evan Ingram for the season in total targets. 2.25 targets per game ahead of Golden Tate, averaging eight targets per game. I would say Darius Slayton is a pretty easy start low in wide receiver two range, basically in the same territory as Terry McLaurin. Yeah, also uh, Slayton seventh among all wide receivers in area. Right? So his usage has been awesome. Uh, you have Jones obviously adds some volatility. And again, this Washington pass defense has been good. They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And I think the key is uh, Kendall Fuller and Ronald Darby, their two outside corners, rank third and 22nd among 116 corners in PFF's grade. So they've, they've both been good. So it's a tough matchup for Slayton. Again, though, the usage, I think, keeps him in play. Yeah, and both of those guys have been good corners in the past, have dealt with some injuries that kind of lowered their um, profile. But they've been good players, so it's not totally – I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's a total fluke so far for them. Yeah. Yep. Golden Tate's averaging just 5.75 targets per game through his four contests, four plus catches every week, but he has yet to reach 50 yards in a game, averaging just 36.3 yards per game and 8.1 per catch. I think Golden Tate is only an if you need him PPR option. Yeah. We'll have to watch and see if Sterling Shepard's going to play. Yeah, there was a report this morning from one of the Giants beat writers that um, Shepard is unlikely to play this week. He's eligible to come off IR, but it sounds like next week's more likely. So, I mean, that helps Tate. He also has the best matchup among Giants receivers in the slot against Cameron Curl. So, you know, those are reasons if you need to use him, but I definitely would not want to use Golden Tate. Yes, I agree with that. Evan Ingram's 26th among tight ends in PPR points per game so far, even with a rushing TD last week. But he's fifth at the position in targets. He's tied for eighth in catches. So, there's some opportunity. What's really stunk is his usage. Among 33 tight ends who have played at least half of their team's offensive snaps, Ingram ranks 31st in average depth of target. The only two guys behind him are Nick Boyle for Baltimore and Chris Manhurts for Carolina. And those guys have combined for 11 targets. So, I mean, we could get one long target for Chris Manhurts this week and push him past Evan Ingram on that list. The, the ADOT was already short for Evan Ingram the past two years. So, you know, it, it hasn't gotten a ton shorter, but his yards before catch have gotten shorter, even with that in mind. And that has fallen by more than his average depth of target. So poor usage, poor efficiency with his quarterback. We would like for tight end to be strong enough where we could say bench Evan Ingram. As yeah. it is, I think he's like 11 or 12. I mean, that's what I said last week. I think Jason Garrett's using Evan Ingram like he has Jason Witten still. I mean, it's just it doesn't make any sense. Um, but but the routes are there, the targets are there, um, and the matchups there this week. Washington dead last in tight end coverage according to Football Outsiders, twenty fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. So yeah, especially because tight end's so weak, I think you know Ingram is a is a pretty easy fantasy starter this week. Yeah, I would say so. Washington's allowed five tight end touchdowns. So, I mean, it's a good spot for Evan Ingram to have a shot at scoring. It would be nice if Jason Garrett would throw out his 1989 playbook and, and update it a little. Not counting on it. Cincinnati Bengals at Indianapolis Colts. Colts by eight opened at nine and a half. It's an over under 46. I am not touching Joe Burrow against this top rated defense. And really on the Cincinnati side, I would prefer to sit everyone but Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Burrow, I was looking at Burrow's schedule. He benefited from the first four games of playing um, from playing defenses ranked 19th or worse against quarterbacks. Baltimore was the toughest matchup he faced so far last week. They're 14th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Burrow obviously struggled last week. He finished the week 26th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. Now he has his toughest matchup yet, at least according to the numbers. Uh, the Colts are second 
in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They're first in football outsiders past defense DVOA. So I would definitely try not to use Burrow in you know your one quarterback leagues. You probably have to play Joe Mixon, especially because he's getting the receiving usage that we've been praying for. Six passes, six catches each of the past two weeks. Well into running back two range, though, for this matchup. I think that Joe Mixon versus Miles Gaskin or Antonio Gibson would be a gut call. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, the, Col- the Colts D is legit. Even without Darius Leonard last week, they they contained Kareem Hunt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Mixon is a usage-based fantasy starter. He is trending up. You know, Even in what was you know, negative game script for almost the entirety of last week's game, he played 76% of the Bengals snaps got 24 carries and eight targets. So, you know, if that usage usage continues, he's going to be an RB one the rest of the way you, you downgrade him a little bit this week in the matchup. Yeah. Even if that seems like a stupid move for the coach to play, it's high dollar running back late in a blowout loss to Baltimore. And it's like what we saw last year with the Bengals. Uh, they would just be getting blown out of games and they'd be pounding Mixon, you know, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> fine, fine, fine for his fantasy owners. Right. On the other side of this game, I would try not to play anything from the Colts as well. I mean, I want I don't want to play anything except the defenses in this game. Jonathan Taylor is in lineups on the Colts side, but even he looks overrated as a fantasy asset right now. Football Outsiders has the Colts offense number 25 in overall DVOA, 22nd passing, 27th rushing. Yeah, really disappointing for Taylor, but both from a usage and like performance standpoint. Um, he, he's only played about half of the Colts offensive snaps over the last three games. Averaging 14 carries over that span, that's a decent number, but I, I thought it'd be higher. And only averaging 1.7 targets over that span. Um, and then honestly, he's not he's not playing well. You, you watch him, you're not impressed. And you look at you know some of the advanced metrics. So among 35 running backs with 40-plus carries so far this season, Taylor ranks 34th in yards after contact per attempt. He's 32nd in avoided tackles per carry. He's 32nd in PFF's elusive rating. He's 29th in football outsiders DVOA. So, I mean, I, I still believe in him long-term. Like, he was too good of a prospect, but he's definitely struggling right now. Um, you know, it is a good spot. They're home favorites for the Bengals. Um, you know, Cincinnati 21st in football outsiders run defense, allowing 5.3 yards per carry. So, I, I think you're starting Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully, this is, like, you know, the matchup that sort of gets him going. Yeah, I would use him pretty easily. You like that he's the lead running back for a team that's winning and a team that can't throw the ball very well. We'll see if maybe the Colts can get their pass offense on track. Maybe that would help things out. But certainly don't overrate Jonathan Taylor overall. And, you know, maybe he's a potential sell if he does have like a a 68-yard two-touchdown game against Cincinnati. Yep. Falcons at Vikings, unless you wanted to talk about any Colts pass catchers. No, I would. um, You know, T.Y. Hilton um, had his best game of the year last week. But I think that, you know, the – the negative games for the fact that they were trailing was a big part of that. And we don't expect them to be trailing this game. So I would, I would still not try to use a two by. And even his best game wasn't anything that great. Right. Yep. Falcons at Vikings, Vikings by three and a half points, 54 and a half over under it actually opened at 56 and a half Vikings at 29 points have the second largest implied total for the week. And that's down one point from where they open. We'll have to watch this game after a couple of COVID positives for the Falcons. Um, but it's, it doesn't seem like the news has trended negative for the Falcons today, right? Yeah. The, the original report was they had four positive tests. It turns out they only had one and it was a coach. Um, so the plan is now for Atlanta to be back in their building tomorrow and still play this game. But obviously we'll, we'll need to keep an eye on it. No practice for Julio Jones on Wednesday. We'll track his participation. I, I hope that they sit him again. So his hamstring can get right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think without Julio, Matt Ryan becomes, you know, I, I guess not a, not a must bench, but he he's outside the top 12 quarterbacks in our week six rankings. His last three 
um, weekly finishes among quarterbacks, 28th, 25th, and 24th. And Minnesota, you know, they're, they're past the – it looked weak to open the season, but it's it's been better lately. Uh, Football Outsiders actually has them eighth in pass defense, and they're just 15th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, as you mentioned, Matt Ryan has been garbage lately. One total touchdown pass – under 60% completion rate, 6.6 yards per attempt over the past three games. I mean, I, I would even move him down further than where we have him right now. I would take Andy Dalton, Jared Goff over him pretty easily. I'm just not worried about missing any ceiling on Matt Ryan right yeah. now by taking him out of my lineup and avoiding the floor. Yeah, that's fair. Calvin Ridley's off the injury report. He played last week, so it wasn't a concern. Uh, it looked like his usual self against the Panthers. So it's just good to get that confirmation that now he's not even limited in the Wednesday practice to start the following week. Yep, you're obviously starting Calvin Ridley. You know, Russell Gage, I don't know what's happened to Russell Gage. In the um, couple games before his concussion, he averaged 10.5 targets and 7.5 catches. Since returning from the concussion, just four targets and two catches per game. Now his his playing time's still fine, but for whatever reason, the targets just haven't been there. Probably just a result of, you know, the Falcons passing game struggling in general. So I wouldn't want to use Russell Gage. Wouldn't want to use Olamide Zacchaeus, even though, you know, he had the usage last week, but obviously disappointed in the box score. Mm-hmm. Plus, it gives us the opportunity to pronounce his name differently every time. <laughs> Todd Gurley is a fairly easy play against a run defense. It's 27th in run D DVOA. You know, he had the big game against the Panthers. I definitely do want to point out that it was the matter of having a bunch of nice running lanes and not Todd Gurley looking amazing in that game. Yeah, the one note on Gurley, though, is his passing game usage climbed a bit last week. Um, he, he saw five targets. That was his most since week one he only had three total in his previous three games and he also ran a pass route on 51 percent of the dropbacks that was actually a season high um so you know, if that continues it's gonna make him you know someone we can count on as like a weekly rb2 we'll see if it's a trend or if it was just a one week thing yeah it's at least a nice thing for now we'll see where it goes from here but it's nice because it looked like brian hill might be yeah. working ahead of him in that area so it's good that that's not yet the case we'll keep watching it yeah i would still be leaning towards trying to sell Todd early off a couple of nice games here i definitely agree with that it's good that we have another good matchup here though so it kind of extends the sell window so you don't have to feel like you got to get rid of them right now yep on the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins is in the bottom of starter territory. He'd probably be sitting higher if we could bet on more than 24 pass attempts from him in this game. Yeah, and I mean, I would, I would, this isn't crazy to say, but I would bet on him during more than 24 times. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook being out might push Minnesota a bit more towards the pass. And then this matchup should push Minnesota more towards the pass. Atlanta's actually 10th in football outsiders' run defense rankings, they're 30th in pass defense. So, you know, it's definitely a defense you want to attack through the air. So I, I like, I like Cousins just fine. Like, I prefer, um, like Stafford, uh, Fitzpatrick, Tannehill as spot starters, but beyond them, I think uh, Cousins is like your next best uh, week six spot start option. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with where Kirk Cousins is right on that QB1 fringe. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, fairly easy plays in a nice matchup. Justin Jefferson didn't give us anything big last week, but, you know, we've mentioned the Falcons' defense is just so beatable with the pass. It's not going to be hard for both of them to put up a good game here. Yeah, Jefferson's playing time remained fine. He was basically an every every down player, so you're starting him. Um, Irv Smith is the interesting guy in this passing game because after doing nothing the first four games, Minnesota actually used him in that game against Seattle um, last week. He saw five targets. He ran a pass route on 73% of Cousins' dropbacks. If if that continues, like he he can be a tight end one the rest of the way. He's you know that talented. He just needed the usage. Um, and this matchup's good too. The Falcons dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So if you're, you know, I'd say if you're desperate for tight end, because there's still a chance Irv Smith goes back to his you know usage over the first 
four weeks. And if that's the case, there's a chance he doesn't see a single target. But um, if Minnesota, again, decides to continue using him like they did last week, um, you know, he, he can be a top 12 scorer for us. Yeah, I would rather be able to stash him and see what happens to see if the usage stays up. But there are certainly situations where you might be desperate enough for Irv Smith to make sense. So it's a, it's an upside spot for him. And Alexander yeah. Madison, you probably don't really have to talk about him. But not only is he an easy fantasy starter, he's one of the strongest running back plays this week because of the rushing volume that Minnesota always gives to its running backs. Yeah, and I mean, I, there's a chance Mike Boone sees a bit more action than we'd like, but I mean, after Dalvin Cook exited last week's game, it was all Alex Madison, 17 carries to just two for Mike Boone. So I, I'm expecting Madison to get at least you know, like 75% of what Dalvin Cook gets. And if that's the case, you know, he's an easy RB1. Yeah, we could easily see 20 carries for Madison and 10 for Mike Boone in this game. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens at Philadelphia Eagles. Ravens by seven and a half in this game, over under 48. Lamar Jackson had a knee thing last week that limited his practice time a little bit, but he's not listed on Wednesday's injury report. So it seems like that's less of an issue this week than it, than whatever it was last week. Yeah, he definitely wasn't right last week because, you know, they only ran him two times, which was um, his fewest carries amongst 27 career starts. And he just didn't look right when he did take off a few times. So it's good to see him off the injury report. He's been just disappointing so far, but in season long, you're definitely still sticking with him. You know, this matchup against Philly, who's 29th in football outsiders pass defense, you know, could be the matchup that kind of, you know, gets Lamar going the rest of the way. His rushing volume is down overall, but Lamar Jackson's actually seen a higher percentage of the team's total rushing attempts so far, 28.5% versus 27.8% over the first five games of last year. Fewer designed runs for him. So that's certainly a change in the offense overall, but he's still averaging 5.8 yards per rush versus 6.2 over the same span last year. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson's been disappointing based on where you drafted him. Of course, that we weren't drafting him in that spot, but he ha- it's not like he's been terrible. It's not like he's been way off of what he was doing. The Ravens are also like top five in situation neutral pass rate, which is just very strange. You know, it's obviously basically – 180 degree turn from what we saw last season and then the other thing with Lamar is he's just sort of seen the passing regression we expected to see his TD rate is down from nine percent to six point seven percent yards per attempt down from seven point eight to seven percent so I mean he's he's taken a step back probably maybe a bigger step back than we expected but um, again I think he's going to be fine you know he's still going to be a top five quarterback the rest of the way I think he's just not going to be you know the the elite you know the quarterback one that he was last season. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had a similar step back last year versus the historic numbers that he put up the year before. Yep. Mark Andrews gets a stellar matchup against one of the league's worst tight end defenses here. Third worst by a wide margin over the next team in those rankings, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. So, I mean, you're obviously starting Mark Andrews, but even keep in mind for DFS that it's an awesome spot for him. Yeah, definitely a a blow up spot for Andrews. You're starting Marquise Brown, I think, regardless. Um, Darius Slay is in the concussion protocol, didn't practice on Wednesday. So that'd be a big, big matchup upgrade for Hollywood Brown if Slay can't go. It would because Slay has seen he's allowed a higher completion rate than in previous seasons, but he's allowing shorter catches, 9.9 yards per reception in his coverage. So that certainly doesn't align well with what the Ravens want Marquise Brown to do. So it'll definitely be worth watching Darius Slay as the week moves forward. We have no more clarity in the Baltimore backfield than we have at any point. I mean, Mark Ingram. Looks like the best bet for most carries, but that's a capped ceiling. And we, the one thing we know is that J.K. Dobbins will see frustratingly few touches. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you, you really just can't use any of these guys. And if you do, you're just hoping for a touchdown because you can't project any of them for more than like eight to ten carries. Um, Gus Edwards actually led the backfield 
in snaps last week, season high 40% snap rate for Edwards. Mark Ingram's 30% snap rate was second lowest of the season. So I mean, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues. But I mean, Gus Edwards has looked at least better than Mark Ingram. I mean, I still think J.K. Dobbins looks like the best. I, mean, I think Mark Ingram has looked like Baltimore's third best running back. So we'll see if his playing time continues to dip. On the Eagles side, Carson Wentz has continued to play mostly poorly, but he's probably coming off his best game of the season at Pittsburgh last week. 20-plus fantasy points in three straight games. The rushing played a role in two of those games, but not so much against the Steelers. He only ran for 11 yards, didn't score a touchdown in that one, so didn't inflate the numbers with that. And he hit Travis Fulgham for 59% of his passing yards. So, I mean, I think all in all, and when you consider who he was facing, it was a pretty good game for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I thought it was his best game of the season. I looked at the PFF passing grades. They had it as his best game of the season. He was actually the fourth highest graded passer from last week. So, um, you know, maybe Wentz is turning it around. It seems like Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both close to returning. Dallas Goddard's eligible to come off IR next week, I believe. Um, I wouldn't want to use Wentz this week, you know, against a pretty solid Ravens defense. But, you know, he is at least trending up and might become an option, you know, starting uh, the following week. Right. You can put him on your roster or keep him there for future weeks, but he faces a Baltimore defense that's seventh in pass defense DVOA. The Steelers are 17th, so it's a tougher matchup. According to those numbers this week, I'm not interested in him this week, but I'm not dropping Carson Wentz for somebody like Nick Foles or Phillip Rivers if he is my starter in a deeper league. Yeah, definitely not. Mentioned Travis Fulgham. I'm not buying it for real until there's another worthwhile game. watching this Eagles game, it didn't look like there was a Travis Fulgham plan going in. It looked like it was something that started to work in the second quarter. And so the Eagles kept going with it. Maybe that carries over. Maybe they just didn't realize what they had until that point. And they start giving Travis Fulgham more this week. But I'm going to go ahead and, and operate as though it was just this blip of a game. Those 10 catches for Travis Fulgham against Pittsburgh now give him 12 total catches for his NFL career through a season and a third. Yeah, I mean, I think especially in this matchup against Baltimore, you know, they're seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers that you don't want Fulgham in your starting lineup this week. I do think he's worth stashing, though. Um, Adam Kaplan, uh, who's just like an NFL insider and I think is especially connected to the Eagles, said that he expects Fulgham to be their starting X receiver the rest of the way, which is surprising. You know, that's that's the Elshon Jeffrey spot. So we'll see if that, you know, comes to fruition. But um, so, again, I think Fulgham worth stashing is if that's the case, he'll be someone we can use some weeks, but I, I would try not to use him this week. And another knock against J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, he's, he's dead. I've, I've given up to the J.J. dream. You mentioned Deshaun Jackson being close. He was limited Wednesday with his hamstring injury, so we're going to have to watch him this week to see if he's ready to play. Alshon Jeffrey, of course, still trying to work back from that foot. He was limited last Wednesday as well, but then didn't practice Thursday or Friday, so we'll see if he becomes a thing this week. Miles Sanders reminded us last week that he's an every-week starter, just in case anybody was wondering about him heading into a negative matchup. I mean, most of his rushing yards came on a single run, but he scored twice, and that single run was a 74-yard touchdown. Yeah, and the usage remains awesome. You know, 15 and a half carries and 5.8 targets per game for Sanders this season. Another tough matchup here. Um, I believe Pittsburgh's first in FO run D, right? And uh, the Ravens are second in run defense DVOA. So, um, you know, you're starting Sanders, kind of like Joe Mixon, just based on his his uh, volume. The thing that hasn't been awesome, though, so far is the efficiency in the passing game. And Miles Sanders has caught just 47.8% of his targets so far. That's an awful number for a running back. I I blame 
primarily the quarterback. Carson Wentz has been not very good so far this year, but Miles Sanders also has three drops already, which matches his total for all of last season when he got more than 60 targets. So they both have some issues that they need to work out here. Uh, he's at least getting the targets. I think that they both have the wherewithal to get past this and rebound in that area. Yeah, I'm going to see what his A dot is because it seems like Philly uses Sanders, you know, downfield more than most running backs. I mean, again, I would expect that to improve. And the fact that he's seeing, you know, nearly six targets per game, I think is still the important thing. Yeah, his A dot is up a little bit over last year, and it's like 3.8 yards, I think, which is a fairly deep number for a running back. Yeah. Zach Ertz basically been Evan Ingram so far with a better quarterback and better coaching. I think he's been Logan Thomas. <laughs> he's right. He's running pass routes. He's, he's third among tight ends and targets. He's second among tight ends and pass routes. He's 16th among tight ends and PPR points, you know, similar to what we've seen from Logan Thomas. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, the, the volumes there at, at some point down the line, Ertz is a, a starting option because tight end so crappy, but I'm not, I'm just not very optimistic because he just, he just doesn't look good, especially when Dallas Goddard returns, you know, potentially next week. I think, you know, Ertz, Ertz is going to be in more trouble. At least the individual coverage matchup is better for him this week than it was against Pittsburgh last week. Yeah, Baltimore weaker against tight ends than wide receivers. So, you know, that should push more volume Ertz's way. We'll see if he can do anything with it. Jets at Dolphins. Dolphins by 10. Up two from where it opened. Over under 47 and a half. Dolphins are implied for 28.75 points here. That's tied for the third largest implied total of the week with Arizona. Don't let the high-scoring Thursday nighter with Denver overshadow how poorly the Jets have played this season, especially on the scoring front. They have the league's fewest points. They've had no more than 17 points in any other game, averaging 11.75 points outside of that Denver game. Uh, that game is the only game as well in which the Jets had more than 285 total yards. Now that Le'Veon Bell is gone, it's Jamison Crowder and nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, Crowder's the only – fantasy starter here and he's a solid fantasy starter Crowder's second among all wide receivers in PPR points per game he missed two games but um, he's finished as a top 18 PPR wide receiver in each of the other three and he has the best matchup among Jets wide receivers this week in the slot he'll avoid Xavier Howard he'll avoid Byron Jones and get Nick Needham who is PFF's 107th ranked cornerback in their um, pass coverage grade so you know Crowder should once again like dominate targets for this, for this Jets team. He's a he's a solid starter. Yeah, and he's been excellent. It's not like it's inflated with some, you know, two touchdown game or anything. 7 for 115 yeah. and a touchdown against Buffalo, 7 for 104 against Denver, 8 for 116 and a touchdown against Arizona with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I mean, Jamison Crowder has been excellent so far this year. Yes. It's also worth noting that according to at Kyle underscore Borg of the Fantasy Footballers on Twitter, Jeff Smith lead the league in routes run over the past two weeks. Oh, yeah. Over the past two weeks, yeah, I buy that. He ran her out on uh, every single Joe Flacco dropback last week, saw 33% target share. You think he's in for a big game, finishes with three catches for 23 yards. <laughs> yeah. um, so you don't want to start Smith anyways, and there's a chance that one or both of Brashad Perriman and mm -hmm. Denzel Mims return this week. You know, when those guys are back, you got to think, you know, Smith's uh, playing time takes a big hit. Yeah, if they're not, well, at least keep in mind that Jeff Smith's 3000 bucks on DraftKings this week. I won't be keeping that in mind. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in mind when I'm setting a lineup to beat you again. Right. We'll talk about that more on Friday. Sam Darnold's still not practicing Wednesday. He's got the throwing shoulder injury. We'll see, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's going to be Joe Flacco again for the Jets. 
Dolphins side, you play them all. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's Devontae Parker. It's Miles Gaskin at some level, especially in PPR. Still a lower level play, but he's averaging 4.6 receptions per game, 16 plus carries in each of Miami's victories so far. I think he's like a solid running back too this week. The usage has been there. He's uh, over the last three weeks, he's sixth among running backs and carries, 12th in targets. He's 15th in PPR points. And last week we saw Jordan Howard get healthy scratched and Miles Gaskin take over as the goal line back. He saw all four running back carries and both running back targets inside the 10 yard line for the Finns um, last week. So, you know, if Howard's scratched again, you can sort of add that touchdown upside to Gaskin's profile. Yeah. And Preston Williams not only had a big game last week, but does he look healthier than he did over the first few? Yeah, I thought he did. Um, I thought he didn't look right the first four games. I thought it was you know easily his best game of the season, even outside the box score last week. And PFF agreed with that, too. Um, he easily got his best PFF grade of this season. It was actually his second best uh, PFF grade of his career. So um, Williams trending up. I mean, he's a guy who you know we thought could be a wide receiver three this season. If he's healthy, I still think he can be. And this is obviously a great matchup against the Jets. Yeah, now he did just see five targets, caught four for 106 and a touchdown. So I think that it's important to keep that volume in mind. It also is important to keep that the past two games seems like they exposed San Francisco's defense, especially in its current state with a bunch of injuries at cornerback. So we'll keep that in mind as we're projecting Preston Williams forward. But playing the Jets the next week certainly helps that out. I certainly think that he is in play. And Mike Jacecki rebounded last week as well against the 49ers five catches for 91 yards um his two games versus the Jets last year basically look like the range of outcomes <laughs> for Mike Jacecki six catches for 95 one catch for six yards I would say he's capable of either of those this week yep I buy that he, he might actually have a sneaky tough matchup here because we know Gasecki is basically a slot receiver he's played 70 percent of his snaps in the slot this season and Jets slot corner Brian Poole is fifth among 116 corners in PFF's covered grades. Their two outside corners are both like in the bottom 20. So I don't know if, assuming Poole plays Gasecki, I'm not sure he will. You know, he might be on Isaiah Ford when Ford's out there. But, you know, it could be a tougher matchup for Gasecki. You know, keep that in mind. I still think he's a tight end one this week, though. Yeah, it's just too bad a position for him. Yeah. Not to Green Bay Packers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Packers by one, over under a 55, up three and a half from where it opened. It's tied with Cardinals-Cowboys for the second largest over under the week. I'm playing Aaron Rodgers in spite of the Bucs defense ranking among the toughest on QB scoring so far this year. It certainly helps that Devontae Adams should be back. I mean, Rodgers is just playing, you know, maybe as well as he's ever played. Um, he's finishes a top eight fantasy quarterback in three of his four games now. Uh, a lot of that without Devontae Adams. So I think, you know, if he's... Rodgers has been your guy. You're sticking with him despite this tough matchup. And as I said, Devontae Adams, full practice Wednesday, so it looks like he'll be back. I'll be curious to see how that impacts Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You would think, okay, fewer targets available, but it might actually help MVS, who didn't really do anything while Devontae Adams was out. Yeah, I mean, he's still that you know flyer that comes with a low floor. Um, it is worth noting that Football Outsiders has the Bucks 31st in coverage against number two wide receivers, which you know MVS will be now, and they're also 20th in defending deep passes. Um, so it sets up as a good matchup for MVS. You know, he could go anywhere from you know a goose egg to like three catches for 100 yards and two scores. Really, I don't think there's anything else sneaky. Actually, one other thing I'll be curious to see is if Equinemia St. Brown factors in at all now that he's active. I'm not saying he's on the fantasy radar right now, but I'll be curious to see if he plays any role now that he's healthy. Yeah, I will too. Um, and Robert Tanyan, obviously, I think we should talk about um, mm -hmm. you know coming off a bunch of big games in a row here. First of all, he's in for some regression. Tanyan so far this year has caught 13 of 14 targets, and he scored five touchdowns on those 13 catches. So, you know, that that – 
that those rate stats are going to come down. We'll see what Devontae Adams means to his target share. It's obviously going to hurt it. Um, but, you know, I think there's still a chance Tonian is like the number two option in the passing game. And if that's the case, he's, you know, going to be a, at least a tight end one consideration the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. On the Bucks side, Football Outsiders has Green Bay as the worst matchup in the league in running back coverage, 29th against tight ends, and worst against number two wide receivers. And they have a further challenge in that starting cornerback Kevin King looks iffy with a quad injury. Jair Alexander was limited Wednesday. He's got hand and knee issues. So I think overall it's a nice matchup for the Bucks passing game. Chris Godwin might be back in that mix, put in a limited practice Wednesday. So we'll see about whether he's ready to play this week. Yeah, it's a great spot for Tom Brady. I think, you know, if, if he's been your guy, you stick with him this week. Mike Evans has been battling that ankle injury. He's not 100%. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He's going to play in this game, but, you know, just know know that he's not at 100%, so that adds some risk. If, if Godwin's back, I think you're starting him. If not, Justin Watson was back to a full practice on Wednesday, so unfortunately we can't use Tyler Johnson because I don't think we know, you know, who's going to be the slot guy there if Godwin doesn't play. Right. Unless we get some kind of word from the coaches about who they're going to use, we have to yeah, treat it as though Justin Watson will be back in. LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette each put in limited practices Wednesday. Leonard Fournette, of course, played through a doubtful tag last Thursday. LaShawn McCoy did not play. So we'll see about them if they're both healthy. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn disappears from whatever he was before. But Ronald Jones still looks like a pretty easy start coming off two straight 100-yard games. I mean, Fournette was active for that game last Thursday, but he didn't, he didn't get on the field. It was, you know, just as an emergency. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does in practice the rest of the week. If he returns, it adds some, you know, downside to Ronald Jones, just, you know, because Jones has been basically playing in, in every down. Or not not an every down role. He's still been losing some um, pass catching work to Keyshawn Vaughn. But, you know, he, he's the, the volume's been there. I think that would be a bit more at risk if Fournette returns this week. Yeah, inconsistent hands where he'll drop the ball. It's right at his chest and make that rolling diving catch. But 14 targets over the past two, nine catches in those games. Ronald Jones could be a sell option over these next few weeks. Not somebody that I would look to unload before this weekend, but the kind of guy that if you need, if you're in decent shape at running back and you need upgrades somewhere else, maybe look at him as a potential sell as Leonard Fournette's getting healthy. Like there's the risk that Leonard Fournette passes Ronald Jones at some point. There's also just the risk that it's an uneven, inconsistent situation week to week going forward where we get hot hand stuff and it's just frustrating. And, you know, maybe you can turn Ronald Jones into a more consistent fantasy asset. No, I I agree. He'd be a good sell high Um, because it's funny. Again, even though the targets have have been pretty big the past couple of weeks, you know, again, the Bucs are pulling him in obvious passing situations. Like even last week, actually the past two weeks, he only ran a pass route on 52% of the dropbacks. And again, that, you know, that's with no Leonard Fournette and no LaShawn McCoy. So I mean, even if he hangs on as the lead ball carrier, I think, you know, we, we shouldn't expect more like, you know, six, seven, eight target games out of Ronald Jones. And they have Green Bay, which is a positive matchup this week for running backs. Las Vegas next week is a positive matchup for running backs. So it's the kind of thing where you can fish for deals, see what's out there. If you don't like it, you hang on to Ronald Jones and see what you can get the next week. Yep. Rob Gronkowski is not likely to win any weeks for people, but 80 plus percent playing time in three straight games. Now six plus targets in two of those Packers are 29th in tight end coverage. You know, it's cert- they're certainly not game planning against Gronk. So you could do worse if you're hard up at tight end. Yeah, you, you could do worse. Um, you know, I think last week was kind of the spot for Gronk though, with Godwin out, Evans banged up and he saw the six targets, three catches, 52 yards. I mean, fine, but um think you know like if that's if that's the best we're getting from Gronk this season you know that's not worth a whole lot yeah not going to be a week winner for anybody anytime soon anything else in that game uh nope 
Rams at San Francisco on Sunday night. Rams by three and a half. The over-under is 51. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Carson Wentz, as I alluded to earlier, their performances the past two weeks against that San Francisco defense, I think really exposed what that pass D is right now, especially with the injuries at cornerback. It's the 10th most positive scoring matchup for fantasy quarterbacks on this week's slate, according to our strength of schedule page. And it looks like a pass funneling spot. According to Football Outsiders, the defense is 23rd in pass D, 6th against the run. So I really like Jared Goff this week. I do too. You know, he he, he worries me a bit. You know, Goff's always been volatile from week to week. That's continued this season. You know, he has three weeks inside the top 11 fantasy quarterbacks. The other two, he's finished 29th and 26th. And really, I mean, he, he didn't play well in the Giants game, but his bigger issue is just this Rams offense is so run heavy. Um, they're 30th in situation neutral pass rate. Goff is just 25th in pass attempts per game. But again, like you said, this should set up as a game where they throw it at least a bit more. Um, it would help if the Niners offense can, can bounce back a bit and score a little bit. So I think, you know, Goff know that he comes with a low floor, but um, he, you know, he definitely has top 12 upside this week. Yeah, and really like is probably strong. I would play Kirk Cousins. I would play Ben Roethlisberger ahead of him and all the guys that are above them. But I like Jared Goff over um, Matt Ryan this week and probably over Gardner Minshew too. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you on Goff over Ryan. We can make that switch in the rankings. But yeah, I prefer like all the streamers, Cousins, Tannehill, uh, Fitzpatrick over Goff. 300 plus yards, two touchdown passes, two of his past three games for Goff, a touchdown rate over 5% for the season. He's on pace for a career high in yards per attempt right now at 9.0, but he's definitely inconsistent. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, easy plays here. It's a worse matchup for the tight ends. And I mean, it only it's only made worse because I, I don't know which guy to use. I would rather use neither one. Tyler Higby, of course, is the name we still need to talk about, but all the fears that we had for Tyler Higby coming into the season have, have borne out. They've come true. He's had that three touchdown game at Philly. It's badly inflating his fantasy perception right now. He, overall, he's averaging 3.4 targets, three catches per game. He's seen one red zone target outside of that game, and that was outside of the 10-yard line. Yeah, other than that three touchdown game, he's finished 22nd or worse among tight ends in PPR points for the week. Sam, he, he's hurt you in four or five games. He's 26th among tight ends and targets, 28th among tight ends and pass routes. Like to me, the only reason you still consider him is just because he he's shown that ceiling. Like we, he, we saw it over the final five games of last season. I'm not even sure if that's very relevant anymore, but you know, we did see him have a three touchdown game this season. Not many tight ends have that upside. So that's why you still consider him. But I mean, you know, his, his floor, you know, as we've said is, you know, just, just to, you know, give you just a handful of points and, and really hurt you. And I don't think he has upside anywhere near that this week against Fred Warner and the Niners. I agree. Daryl Henderson's the first play out of the backfield, but I mean, this looks like it could be a hot hand situation any given week. Last week, we got Cam Akers back. We saw the carries split. We had 15 for Henderson, nine for Akers, eight for Malcolm Brown, four targets for Henderson, two for Malcolm Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's a three-back committee. Sean McVay said he wanted to have a three-back committee last summer. I didn't really believe him, but you know, he was... He was telling the truth there. None of these guys played more than 43% of the snaps last week. It was Malcolm Brown who led the way in pass routes. So if you made me pick, it's Henderson. You know, he's 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 been their best runner so far this season. But again, as we saw two weeks ago, if Malcolm Brown gets off to a hot start, it, it could end up being his his backfield. And Cam Akers is in the mix now, too. Mm-hmm. On the 49ers side, we thought Jimmy Garoppolo's return was going to help the pass offense. It might have had the opposite effect. It overshadowed, too. Debo Samuel returned to 89% playing time last week. He only had two catches, but he saw eight targets. It's clearly him and Brandon Ayuk now leading the wide receiver core. Yeah, encouraging outing usage-wise for Debo. You know, 
I don't think he's available in leagues anymore, but you know, maybe you send a trade offer out for him this week because, you know, assuming Garoppolo settles in, I, I, his ankle must have still been an issue last week. That was like the worst half of quarterback play I've seen all year. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not that bad. So what uh, Shanahan hasn't even committed to him playing this week. I think, you know, it's going to, again, depend on that ankle. So, I mean, Debo's going to get better quarterback playing if he's, you know, seeing that type of usage, which I think will continue. You know, he's going to be at least a wide receiver three the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it, when you run into a buzzsaw like the Dolphins, it's going to happen. Mostert also returned for that game, 11 carries for 90 yards, three catches for 29. Jarek McKinnon disappeared, one carry, four targets, two catches for five. Yep, back to Mostert as the lead guy here. Um, yeah, I mean, McKinnon was still – he still played 25% of the snaps. Jeff Wilson played 23% of the snaps. Maybe, you know, maybe that was Mostert's first game back, easing him in. He might play a bit more going forward. But either way, you know, he's the guy to own here. He's like a you know running back two. Um, every week and the matchup's good here too you know the Rams much tougher against the pass than the run um, football outsiders has them 24th in run defense they're 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs Chiefs at Bills on Monday at five o'clock if you're free the Chiefs are four point favorites here 57 and a half over under is the largest of the week and it deserves to be I haven't seen any injury report yet for this game obviously because it's Monday but there's likely no Sammy Watkins and that makes Nicole Hardman a high ceiling wide receiver three this week yeah, I mean, the problem with Hardman has always been the playing time. And in the two games Watkins left early this season, you know, Watkins played some of those games. Um, in those games, Hardman ran a route on 66 and 68% of the dropbacks. You know, with Watkins out completely, you know, that, that could get into the 70s, into the 80s. Um, so I think he's someone you want to try to get into fantasy lineups this week. High high ceiling for Hardman. I agree with that. And we'll see about the health of Bill's corners this week, especially Tredavious White heading into that game. Not much else to analyze here, I think. I'm still playing Clyde Edwards E-Lair despite the week five disappointment. Still a great situation. Yeah, you're still playing CEH. Um, you know, he got 10 of the 11 running back carries last week. He saw eight targets. Um, the Bills run defense hasn't been good. Football Outsiders has them 22nd. The Bills defense in general hasn't been good. So, you know, should be a great spot for the Chiefs offense. You, you noted um, Tredavious White's injury. Matt Milano missed last week's game. Like, you don't want to be missing those guys against Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. On the Bills' side, I mean, same deal. I don't think there's a whole lot of analysis here. I would go back to Josh Allen in nearly all cases. I would try to avoid the backfield if possible, but Devin Singletary is okay. And we'll see if uh, Le'Veon Bell lands on um, either of the teams involved here. It sounds like the COVID testing, though, would not have him available to play in the game if he does. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, he only have what a few days of practice, even if he was cleared. Um, yeah, Singletary is tough. Like, you know, he – He's been getting awesome usage without Zach Moss, and he'd been producing. And then um, I, don't, I don't know what happened on Tuesday night, but TJ Yeldon you know, started playing way more than expected. There's also a chance that – I mean, I, I expect Zach Moss to be back at this point. You know, He has been limited in practice the past couple of weeks now. Um, so that's going to hurt Devin Singletary. But it's a great matchup against the Chiefs, 26th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're, they're 28th in both. Football outsiders run defense, DVOA, and running back coverage. So, you know, good matchup for Singletary on the ground and in the passing game. I think you, you probably go back to him, although, you know, his outing on Tuesday was obviously disappointing. Mm -hmm. But it was disappointing overall for the Bills. So that might be one that we just kind of throw out and move on. Yep. yep. Anything else from that game? Um, I mean, John Brown is the question mark. Um, you know, Gabe Davis has been productive actually when Brown has been out. So you know, he could be a fringe option. And then, you know, Cole Beasley is uh, wide receiver 27 in PPR points. He has uh, 9.8 plus PPR points in every game. He has 11 plus PPR points in four straight games. So, you know, with bye weeks hitting now, 
in PPR, I think, you know, Beasley is a guy you can consider as a spot starter. And especially if John Brown misses this game. Yes. The final game on the slate, Arizona Cardinals at Dallas Cowboys, Monday night, the regular time, over under 55. It's up one and a half from where it opened, tied for the second largest, as we mentioned. Fire up any Cardinals you got for this one. That includes Christian Kirk, five catches, 78 yards on seven targets against the Jets last week. It might even include Chase Edmonds for some fantasy owners. Six targets, five catches in two straight games for him. He's a low ceiling touch count guy. Not going to get likely large touch volumes, but he's been doing well with the touches that he has gotten. And it certainly doesn't look like his receiving usage is going anywhere. Yeah, I agree on Christian Kirk. I think this is a week to you know get him in your lineup as, as a wide receiver three or flex. Um, and yeah, with this backfield, you know, even though Drake had a nice fantasy game last week, finally scored again, I'm... I'm more worried about him after last week than I was the week before because Chase Edmonds set a season high with a 45% snap rate. Chase Edmonds ran more pass routes last week than Kenyon Drake for the first time this season. Obviously, you know, out-targeted Drake again, which he he had been doing. And Chase Edmonds just looks like the better running back still. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, the gap continues to close between these two guys. So, I mean, the, the matchup's good enough where you're still starting Kenyon Drake and yeah, I, I, Chase Edmonds is like a running back three or flex consideration in, in PPR leagues. On the Dallas side, I'm going to give Amari Cooper another shot here. The playing time and targets were just out of line with previous weeks last week. You mentioned the James Bradbury matchup. Who knows how much of that factored in. But the fact that he played just 64% of the snaps was just kind of goofy. And I would think that it would change this week. I mean, D- Dallas has been using Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown like an annoying amount. And it's been, you know, taking... Cooper and CD Lamb off the field. I mean, it obviously hadn't affected Cooper's production prior to last week. I agree. You're sticking with him. You know, Patrick Peterson is no longer a matchup to be afraid of. PFF has him uh, 89th in their coverage grade. So I think Cooper bounces back. I mean, you know, the loss of Dak Prescott obviously hurts. I mean, I think it makes Cooper like more of a high end wide receiver too the rest of the way. But, you know, we'll see how this all shakes out with Dalton. I feel good about C.D. Lamb this week. I feel less good about Michael Gallup and his downfield game, but he's in play, I think, at the appropriate level. I think the guy that I would really try to avoid, you know, relative to the rest of the position is Dalton Schultz. And and my concern here is the potential for a a dip in opportunity volume for him. See, I think there's the chance that Dallas throws the ball less overall and just leaves fewer targets to spread around. And I also wonder if there's the chance that Dalton Schultz spends more time blocking because they feel the need to protect – uh, Andy Dalton more than Dak Prescott, who's more mobile and obviously a more dynamic passer. Yeah, that's a good point about the offense in general here. You know, the Cowboys have been first in the league in situation neutral pass rate and um, situation neutral pace, you know, through these first five weeks with Dak Prescott. So they've been a fast pace, pass heavy offense. I'm curious to see. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it doesn't change with Dalton. I'm curious to see how much it changes. And, you know, that's obviously going to impact all these pass catchers. And all that said, I think Andy Dalton's a solid option this week, much more solid than you would normally see for a backup stepping in for yeah. a starting quarterback because, you know, he's proven in all of these guys that we mentioned, even though we we aren't really sure exactly who he's going to go to, the fact that he has all of these options just makes it a terrific spot with a high ceiling. I think Andy Dalton's certainly in streaming territory here. I would not be surprised if he finishes top, you know, 12 or even 10. Yeah, he's in streaming consideration. I mean, I, ideally, I'd rather not use him in his first start with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. you know, after, uh, you know, strange offseason. Like, and, and there are good streaming options, as we, have, as we talked about. Like, I prefer Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dalton's a top 12 quarterback the rest of the day with these weapons. Um, you know, he's not Dak Prescott with his legs, but he can add some rushing upside. So, you know, he, he should definitely be owned in most fantasy leagues now. 
Yeah, he's a basically Ryan Fitzpatrick with his legs. Sure, that works. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this week six edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out our full week six rankings, as well as the rest of the articles and tools that help you set all of your lineups for the week. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShopDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 